0: Hello, world, and welcome to the Money, Life, and Limitless Possibilities podcast, where we help you build a bridge over roadblocks in life and create keys to limitless possibilities. I am your host and head cheerleader, Rhonda J. Williams.
1: My greatest critique of religion is that it often requires us to define ourselves in opposition to others. So if my faith in Jesus, in order for my faith in Jesus to be valid, everybody else's faith has to be invalid. And I just don't believe that anymore. In order for my faith tradition, the rituals and the practices of my faith tradition to be valid, I have to then invalidate everyone else's. And I, I strongly oppose that at this stage in my reinvention.
0: Hey family, welcome back. Today's episode is sponsored by Exodus Financial Education Group. This is my company where I provide financial education and personal development coaching and training to corporations and individuals so that they can go forth powerfully towards their goals in money and life without limits. Consistently be able to navigate life's roadblocks, whether they are seen or unseen and be empowered to get everything that's needed to be your best self. If you're joining us for the first time here, as always, welcome to the podcast. And if you didn't know, we go by the belief that it is absolutely positively possible to be limitless in money and life. Each week here, I share information, Innovation and insights around my five keys to limitless possibilities. So, if you want to hear all about that, check out episode number eight where I break those down, and there'll be a note in the link in the show notes for that. Well, hey, family, welcome back to the podcast. And we are still in our series on release, resilience, and reinvention. And we have officially entered the reinvention zone this week. I shared with you that I really wanted to come into 2021 a little bit different, and I don't think I have to explain why, but definitely want to release some things and grab some resilience and look at the possibility of reinvention. So we are digging into reinvention this week with my special guest, Christian A. Smith. So I was introduced to Christian by a mutual friend, and I could not be more excited because he has an amazing story of reinvention. So today, our topic is the power of reinvention and how pastor Christian A. Smith is breaking all the rules and transforming the faith community. Let me formally introduce you to Christian A. Smith. So you probably never heard the term spiritual image developer before. That makes sense because the term was created to encompass what Christian truly is. So it's not enough to just call him a clothier, a pastor, a stylist, a theologian, a podcaster, a consultant, a speaker, and so much more. While people have called Christian to serve in all of these roles, none of them truly defines what he does. So as a spiritual image developer, Christian helps his clients and congregants develop how they see themselves on the inside and how others see them externally. He understands that God looks at the heart and humans look at the outer appearance. His mission is to help you maximize both. Christian has served in many areas of ministry, including worship leader, conference planner, and facilitator, teacher, youth minister, pastor, and founder of the faith community. And last but most assuredly not least, he is the leader of the Holy Smokes Cigar and Spirituality Movement podcast. All right, Christian, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Rhonda. I am so glad to be here and talk a little bit about my journey with you.
0: Absolutely. I need to get some some sound effects because I'm always like, oh. right. <laughs> always overly excited to just talk and hear people's stories. So season two has launched. It is out there in 2021 and I'm kicking it off with a series around release resilience and reinvention. And once I heard just a tiny bit of your story, I was like, "Uh-uh, stop right there." mm, "Save those gems. I got to get you on. I got to get you to drop those gems for the audience, for the family." So, we're talking about your story of reinvention, actually the power of reinvention, right? Because right. it is a powerful thing cuz you know, we were talking before we start before we hit record that not much of life is a straight path, right? And so understanding that reinvention is a thing and it's okay, right? Right. It's okay right. to start over. It's okay to pivot. All of life is an experiment. And so we're talking about your story, how you as a pastor, a man of God, right? That's Uh-oh. the whole thing within itself.
1: Whoa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> and you are breaking all the rules. Uh-oh. Okay. Right. And, but transforming the faith community. So that's our focus for today. But as per usual, I love to hear people's story because I know that people never really follow a straight path and I'm always super interested and intrigued. So take us back a little bit to that, maybe that moment or two. That you were like, hey, so what I was thinking is not quite lining up, and you knew that something had to kind of change and shift. Take us back just a bit.
1: Absolutely, you. And before I go any further, when you said T nineteen, that reminded me of my dad so much. Y'all might be from the uh, the, the same neck of the woods,
0: the same uh, era, probably. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. My dad from Greenville, Mississippi. He would say that mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a city kid raised in a country household because I was born in Oakland, California. But my dad's from Mississippi and my mom's from Texas.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, You got a little bit
1: of all of it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, things really started shifting for me a couple of years out of college at Alabama A&M University. And I was working in the banking industry in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. And then I had to relocate to Atlanta for family reasons. And uh, I'm, I relocated in the middle of the recession. I'm, I'm you know, in my early twenties. so I don't realize how crazy that is for me to mm. attempt that. And I learned quickly uh, that it's not good to leave a very secure job in the middle of a recession to go to a different city and try to find new work.
0: Really? But, <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: yeah. So that, that lesson um, has been learned and we Mm -hmm. won't try that again Uh, but that began my endeavor into entrepreneurship so i had to reinvent myself by going from the corporate space to exploring entrepreneurship in more meaningful ways it also led me to go to seminary because when i acknowledged my call to preach my parents told me that a call to preach is a call to prepare. So mm-hmm. I come from, you know, the Black Baptist Church. Uh, and with all of its complexities and, and nuances, um, that's, that's what gave birth to me. That's what got me to this place. Mm-hmm. And then I went to seminary uh, where I encountered people from various walks of life Uh, who all claimed the same relationship with God that I claimed, but they came at it from different perspectives and different social locations. So that really expanded my thinking because some of these people, I was like, we see things totally different, but I know they love God. Like, they probably love God more than I do. So, So there's something. Yeah, there's something to this. And it really expanded my mind, caused me to think in different ways because I was raised to be a critical thinker in every aspect of life except for my theology. Mm. I was conditioned to creatively regurgitate everything that my tradition gave me. So I, I was certain people would celebrate me because of my creativity and how I said the same stuff over and over again. But seminary gave me the permission to use my critical thinking skills as it pertains to my theology, and that's when everything shifted. So a lot of the uh, concepts I had, ex- I had accepted without question, now I'm questioning them. And I'm realizing they don't hold up to the scrutiny of inquiry So I had to start rethinking my faith, which led to uh, continuing in that entrepreneurial spirit and starting the faith community, my church, curating a, a brand of theology called Greatest Commandment Theology, and writing my book, Breaking All the Rules. And that's how we got to where we are today.
0: Wow. Wow. And I love that creatively regurgitate, right, because mm-hmm. um, and things I accepted without question, because I think, you know, we're talking about your journey specifically that started in theology. But this can expand a little bit of anywhere. Right. We are going on paths, paths that other people have taken. We're checking the boxes. We're following the list of the things that the people say do. Right. Right. Right we are creatively regurgitating our lives according to what the people on the side of us did or what someone told us to do. And we're not questioning, right. We're not pushing, we're not asking questions. And, you know, so I, I wanted to pull that out because this is really relevant to anyone's journey. Right. Because again, we're just going along kind of, you know, like robots in a lot of, in a lot of fashions and we're not questioning anything. We're not looking mm-hmm. for it to be any different, but I love that, you know, it didn't take you long, right? You didn't, you didn't just say, Oh, these guys are wrong. Right. I <sighs> so right. said, well, no, you guys got it all wrong. You should be all doing it this way. You, you actually opened yourself up to. Absolutely. Yeah. To see. And it, it,
1: it, and it took time, you know, like, my, my evolution may have been quicker than somebody else's, but for me, it took time. Like I, I had to be confronted with the truth of other people in other traditions, which really challenged me uh, with my binary thinking, binary meaning, it has to be one thing or the other. Binary is the opposite of spectrum, where you have many different ways of doing things in a spectrum. But in a binary, it's black or white. It's this or that. It's gay or straight. You know, there's nothing in between. And I realized when I was going through my evolution, two things can be true at once. And in Mm -hmm. order for my faith to be valid, I don't have to define myself in opposition to others who think differently.
0: Oh, say that again.
1: (laughs) Yes, I think I I got that concept from uh, uh, Paul Young, the the writer of The Shack. I believe that's where I got that from. Mm -hmm. That My greatest critique of religion is that it often requires us to define ourselves in opposition to others. So if my faith in Jesus, in order for my faith in Jesus to be valid, everybody else's faith has to be invalid. And I just don't believe that anymore. In order for my faith tradition, the rituals and the practices of my faith tradition to be valid, I have to then invalidate everyone else's. And I I strongly oppose that at this stage in my reinvention.
0: Nice. And I, I would say that is the core of reinvention. You know, religion, whatever, whatever a person's path is. That, you know, when a person gets to a point where they can realize, accept, and be cool with, hey, I don't actually have to define myself in opposition to anybody. <laughs> like, I can just be uniquely and wonderfully made, right, right. in whatever path or journey or calling or per- mission, purpose, you know, that that I am here to do. I freaking love that. <laughs> so whoever, whoever said it, it is officially stolen.
1: Yeah, again, because I stole it.
0: (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. All right, so let's talk about the faith community, right? So um, you began to kind of reinvent yourself, challenge yourself, open yourself up, and you started the faith community. I'm not sure what what the timeline is, but as a woman of faith myself, I already know. You're mm-hmm. not going to come up in here changing things and breaking rules, my brother. Right. So right. Um, let's hear about that a little bit. How was that journey for you?
1: Yeah, I realized quickly uh, that in order for me to be true to my calling and be my authentic self, it will be very difficult for me to pastor in a traditional setting uh, because I don't have that temperament. People that know me and are familiar are with my personality i know that i'm 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 assertive direct to the point and i uh, i i heard a pastor once say uh, i don't he said he said a uh, christian i believe everything that i preach but i don't preach everything that i believe mm. and i could not accept that reality for myself I feel like if I have to be in a space where I can't preach everything that I believe, I'm not meant to be there. Uh, So as I sat with that, I realized I would eventually need to start my own church. Um, But the reality is that was supposed to be much further down the line. Um, As I said, I started in entrepreneurship when I moved to Atlanta. And um, my focus coming out of seminary was to spend time building my clothing business the way that I wanted it to. I mean, it has grown over the years, but I've never been able to give it 100% of my attention. Uh, so that was my plan. Uh, but while I was in seminary, I started a small group to fulfill the requirements of a course that I was taking. Uh, and it required me to teach an adult Bible study. And... The way I did that was call some friends and family to indulge me for about six weeks at a at our apartment where my wife and I lived. And uh, I had about eight people show up the first time and we went through this study and after the first session my wife said, Oh, you're not gonna be able to stop this after this project, right? <laughs> I said, uh-uh, like I'm not As trying we to
0: always know we can see the future. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I said, no, like, I'm going to do these six sessions, uh, write this summary up for this class, and I'm going to be done. That's not what I'm trying to do right now. She said, okay, we'll see. And we got to the end of those uh, six weeks with that small group. and, And in that last session, I was telling everybody at the close, thank you so much. This has been great. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys helped me get through this project. This is the last session before I could finish. They put their hand up and said, wait, no, mm -mm. no, this is not over. Mm -hmm. This can't end right here. We'll see you next week. What's the next study? And that was 2015, um, and it never stopped. That was the beginning of the faith community when I wasn't even trying to start the faith community. Uh and uh, it it evolved into into what it is now uh, Mm -hmm. where we we uh, have very very unique approach but we may we may get into that if you want to you know explore further I'll let you direct the next part
0: (laughs) so I'm I'm looking at the statement so it's the faith community is that non-churchy church that people dream about like I'm dreaming over here, right? we're raw, <laughs> relatable, disruptive, loving, inclusive, affirming, fun, and deeply challenging. Open and radically welcoming. Like, say what? Yeah, that's <laughs> to break that down. Like, that's that's reinvention, like yeah. all over the place, you know, in the faith community. Please do tell us more.
1: Yeah, what I've discovered is that the faith community is so uniquely positioned because the the people that were called to either really need what we have, but don't know how much they need it, or they know they need what we have, but don't believe anything like this exists. Uh, So we are a church, a community of, of believers, Um, that are radically inclusive. And uh, one term I like to use that I got from my friend Adam Gray, intersectionally inclusive. We we understand the intersections of marginalization and oppression and the importance of allyship. Uh, So as a straight black man uh, who operates in a pastoral role, it's uncommon for someone like me uh, to be a strong ally for the LGBTQ plus community. And then there are white people in our ministry who are strong allies for anti-racism. Uh, so our ministry is called to the unchurched, the underchurched and the overchurched, very specific groups. Right. a lot of a lot of organizations target people based on demographics mm-hmm. um a lot of churches don't even have a target market they just do church we wanted right. to be very specific and we didn't want to target people based on age race gender income we wanted to target people based on their attitudes aspirations and outlooks so the unchurched are people who just have never, you know, been indoctrinated with anything, um, but do desire to have a connection to the community of faith. The underchurched are people who are currently in a church but feel out of place. Uh, don't feel comfortable asking the questions that roll around in their head, feel like if they did ask those questions, they may get ostracized. They've evolved past the theology of their church. And then our largest group is the over-churched, the people who are just over it. Like, I'm sick of church. I don't want to do it anymore anymore. (laughs) <laughs> I love God, even though sometimes I'm angry with God, I do love God, but I'm just done with the church. And then they discover the faith community and say, okay, I'm gonna give this one more try. Right.
0: Well, <laughs> well, this I might be able to do. It,
1: right. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. So that, that's that's who the faith community is. And it's uh it's rooted in greatest commandment theology, which says your love for God is expressed through how you love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. So you can't love God if you don't love your neighbor. And you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. Mm. That's what the church usually leaves out. When I talk about greatest commandment, people would generally say, yeah, you know, love God, love your neighbor. And I say, you forgot a very important piece at the foundation of all of that is you have to love yourself. So it's a novel concept that people will have to really be intentional about embracing because for so long in our faith journeys, self-love has been stigmatized. But we actually invite you to lean into love for yourself as your expression of love for God. Mm -hmm. So that's what kind of makes the faith community uh, such a unique place.
0: Wow. Like amazingly unique. I love that. um, I love that they were like, yeah, no. So we'll be back next week. (laughs) <laughs> right. yourself a lesson <laughs> you know get some snacks and we'll be here like it's not yeah. a problem <laughs> but exactly point, what I love that you know in terms of thinking about reinvention you created what you didn't see that you knew you needed right mm-hmm. and you all I don't even know if you really intentionally and strategically did it it sounds like you did but I don't know if you really know the power of what you did like you said a lot of uh, we're talking about church, but a lot of churches are just we're just gonna do church. Let's just do mm-hmm. church like we've been doing church, right? But you went it you went at it very intentionally, very strategically, um, almost really understanding the pain points that were existing, right? And, and that's that's the number one way you solve a problem, right? you you get to the pain, you flush out what what really matters to people. What are people not getting? What are they not seeing? And you went right to it. You went laser focused right to it. And I love that as a means of reinvention because again, I feel like we we are very much following these cookie cutter paths in life, kind mm-hmm. of period at the end on all different perspectives. But your journey, your path, and what you the work that you've done has taken a moment to say, no, we we're not seeing what we need. You know, we're actually listening to people that's a new concept. (laughs) Right. And we're going to create what people actually need, what people actually, we're going to ask the questions that is what was happening really working for you? No, Mm -hmm. it's not. (laughs) So if that, if it doesn't work, what is going to work? And you flush that out and you created a community around that and they won't let you go now.
1: (laughs) Right. 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 And, and the importance of listening to people cannot be overstated in my ministry because even the design of our gatherings is different than most churches
0: mm-hmm. we
1: have a traditional style worship once a month the other weekend gatherings that we have are a gathering we call the bible and beyond uh, which is like our version of a bible study but we realize that god's word is not relegated to the Bible. We can find God's word in the Bible. That is where we find uh, some of the greatest wisdom that this world has ever known. We also find some of the greatest atrocities this world has ever known, which according to the writers of scriptures were done in the name of God. But we also believe that God speaks beyond the Bible, that God did not close God's mouth when we finished putting together the canon that revelation was not the last time God spoke. It was just the last thing we put into the Bible. So at the Bible and beyond, we recognize the Bible as central, but it's not sovereign. And in this, a very interactive engagement where for 90 minutes, I might speak 25 to 30% of the time. The rest of it is hearing from the experiences of others in the community and kind of guiding and facilitating that discussion.
0: You're blowing me away. I mean it's just because we're not we're not having we're not having deep conversations. Right. <laughs> we're not having organic conversations. We're not really pushing the envelope. We're not um really letting people be human beings to me, you know, a lot of times. We're just not but I love That you, you're just, you're very open, very organic, like it doesn't have to be this cookie cutter approach to worship, (laughs) meetings, the way we learn, the way we engage, it can be a moving, growing, opening flower, right? As, Absolutely. as life is right. And I think that's important, um, especially in faith, because I know my myself personally definitely started as, you know, I say in the box, like in the box, you know, I'm just doing the things, doing the stuff, and everything's gonna work out according to what they had said. So when life, you know, landed me on my face a couple mm-hmm. two or three times, right? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Wait, wait, so so what? So then you start to doubt. And I love that you have a quote that says doubt is a negative is not a negative character's trait. It is part of developing faith, right?
1: Yes. Yes. For
0: so long I you would feel like, well, I must it must I must be getting something wrong. I must not be believing enough. I must be in doubt, you know, if things are not lining up. I did the stuff and the things that people said I'm supposed to do, right? So where's mm-hmm. where's my stuff? <laughs> you know, where mm-hmm. was my stuff at? Right. You know?
1: Oh no, I was just I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, doubt is a doubt is a characteristic of faith. Like faith is rooted in doubt.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you don't have any doubt, you don't need faith.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> Why do you need faith if you don't have doubt?
0: Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: So mm-hmm. and we stigmatize doubt. Like mm-hmm. we've called uh Thomas the doubting disciple. Right. You know, and, and we, we highlight his doubt to to point out um what's wrong with him doubting but that's because we don't read the story for what it actually says. Mm. We read into the story what we were told it says. So when we actually read the story of Thomas for what it actually says, we realize everyone who encountered Jesus after the resurrection was full of doubt. Every single person, the women at the tomb, the disciples when they were in hiding, they were all in doubt, And they all needed to see some proof that Jesus is who he said he was. Then they tell Thomas a secondhand account, like, hey, we saw Jesus, like he lives. And Thomas says, I need the same proof that y'all got. But we call Thomas the doubter. (laughs) We don't read the story for what it says.
0: Right, right, right. Absolutely. And I love that, you know, bringing this out in reference to uh, reinvention, because you're going to have doubt like that's the whole that's a part of the journey. You know, I talk a lot. One of my keys on my podcast is limiting beliefs. You know, we're not we're not testing or challenging ourselves and, you know, getting beyond. Well, actually getting resilient, like to me, resilient is that that getting over that, like, yeah, I had this moment you know, I kind of got thrown off. I had a little doubt, but it's okay. (laughs) I can reinvent myself. I can just restart myself and keep going. So I love that having an understanding that you're going to have doubt. You're not going to be sure all of life is an experiment. You know, the important part to me is to keep going, you know, to stay in some, some way, form or fashion, stay in the fight, stay in the battle. Yeah. Right, So I want to shift it just a little bit. So a lot of people I feel like are multi-passionate, what I call, but they're afraid, right, to put themselves out there in different different avenues. You know, you don't want to look like the jack of all trade, the master of none, um, some people say. But I love the way you've married kind of your multiple talents. And I want to know, did that come naturally? Did that evolve naturally? Or did you have to kind of sit and intentionally Think of how to put marry these together to, to be able to pull that off.
1: Uh, I had to be very intentional. My passions uh, just organically came about, but how I connected all of them required a lot of intentionality, uh, which is why I, I stress uh, image. In, in when I talk about what I do, I'm a I'm an image developer. So on the clothing side of my business i help people to develop their professional image right so my clothing business makes everything from the neck down because uh, the first impression you make on people is what they see but then i also help people to develop their spiritual image who are you on the inside and that's rooted um in uh, the story of the prophet samuel going to pick the next king of israel after God rejected Saul and he went to Jesse's house to pick one of Jesse's sons and he saw all the older boys and said, it's gotta be one of these. And God said, no, I I, I haven't selected any of them. And Samuel the prophet says, but look, they, they got the whole look, they got the, the posture, the physique, yes, like the, the, the stature, the yeah.
0: Physique, all of it.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and God says, yeah, that's because humanity looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. So I want you to go deeper than what you see on the outside. And that's how David wound up being selected. But here's the thing that we generally miss when we quote that, because many people say, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So you need to focus on developing your character and being a good person. I totally agree. Because God does look at the heart, but that doesn't change the fact that humans look at your outward appearance.
0: Amen.
1: That, that never changes. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't care where you go. People make assessments about you based on your outward appearance. And unfortunately, people don't know your heart when they first encounter you. They mm-hmm. see your physical appearance, your professional image. Right. So I try to help people develop both. But bringing those together requires some intentionality.
0: Nice, nice. I love that you and I see a lot of people doing it more now, and I, I did it myself in terms of reinvention. You, you name yourself, right? So you know, you you name yourself a couple of things. <laughs> what do you call it? The uh,
1: spiritual image developer.
0: There you go. Like mm-hmm. what well, that? It is what I say it is, right? And. Life. it's- Like there is there is power and and courage in that to name yourself. I know um, I'm a financial educator as as well as a coach. And I went through the recession. So lost everything on this good government job. I was like, no, I'm going full time. I'm out here with my passions. And then boom, a year and a half later, everything blew up. So I was like, "Uh, this is a mess. And when I was reinventing myself, I named myself a master money trainer. So when I would go out and go forth and do trainers trainings, I would introduce myself as that. At the end of the training, I would say, "Now I introduce myself as a Master Money Trainer." I said, "Does anybody know what that is?" And they were like, "Well, no. Where'd you get that certification?" I was like, "I made it up." I said, "But when I say it, did you believe it?" They were like, "Yeah." I was like, "That's right." (laughs) You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So, just a tip, like in terms of reinvention, name your own thing. Name your own gift. Name yourself. You don't have to go by titles. You don't have to go by what others have done. It is okay to name, know who you are, name it, claim it, walk in it, be proud about it. So I love that um, you have done that. And like you said, you have taken great intentionality to sit with that and figure out how to marry those um, and make that work.
1: I had to because I I'm big in the networking. So before the pandemic I was at networking events every week, you know, I'm, at this club, at that club, you know, having drinks with this person, having coffee with this person. And people always ask me, what do I do? And when you operate as a clothier, stylist, wardrobe consultant, pastor, author, podcaster, spiritual developer, like you can't say that in a networking situation. So it's like, how in the hell (laughs) Do I bring all of this (laughs) into one concise presentation? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had to figure out a way to to make sense of it.
0: And I don't know about you, like you had to do it so it resonates with you. So when you say it, because when I say I'm a master money trainer, because I believe it, people do, too. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you take you need to take that time to be intentional to flush it out, so that you can stand in it, so that as you walk in it, people can receive what you have for them.
1: Right? Mm, absolutely.
0: All right. So, so the podcast is about um, the my five keys is based around my five keys to limitless possibilities, and they are getting clear on what you want, getting free of limiting beliefs getting beyond your past, getting resilient, and getting that timing matters. So share with us how have any of these keys played a part, played a role in your path, in your journey, in your reinvention?
1: Yeah, I think all of them have definitely. The one that resonates with me the most is being freed from limiting beliefs, because that plays such a major component in the work that I do um, in spirituality. Uh, What I what I encounter with so many people that I work with is that we just have a lot of limiting beliefs because we think uh, faith only is supposed to work a certain way. Going back to that concept of binaries and binaries limit your belief. So you think God has to operate this way. Uh, but God can operate in a number of ways. God has to be a man. But why can't God be more than a man? Uh, you know, uh, we you have to worship in a physical building. Why can't God meet us virtually? The church is discovering now that God can meet us virtually as well. Uh, you know, God. Meets us in the church on Sunday. You need to be at church on Sunday, but God can't meet us when we gather on Saturday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Monday. <laughs> you know what about the people that like work on Sunday? Can we stop chastising them for for taking care of their family by working on Sunday, and maybe give them another option to gather with the community of faith? So limiting beliefs have have played. Such a major role uh, in my reinvention and thinking about okay, how how can God use me? Because I thought God was going to uh, use me in this way, uh, but now I'm discovering, nah, God, there are other ways that God can use me, and I shouldn't I shouldn't limit myself to what I've always seen. Uh, but God gave me this creative gene that if I don't use it, um, it would honestly be irresponsible for mm-hmm. me to not use it when God gave it to me. So I've put it to use and remove the limitations in my beliefs to see God as bigger than I've ever seen God before.
0: Nice. Wow. I knew you was going to drop the gems. You did it. (laughs) So I want to just recap a few points that we picked up, the gems that I picked up along the way. It's all about reinvention today. But just starting with being open to question, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: Mm -hmm. Being open to question the status quo and what what we thought, what we knew, what somebody told us. So being open is a key to reinvention. Um, The fact that I don't have to define myself in opposition to others, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can actually define myself and it's okay that others are different. I don't have to fit in their mold and they don't have to fit in mine. Right. Next one is creating what you need that you don't see, Right. If what you need, if you know what you need, you're not seeing it, it's not, you're not aligning it, create it for yourself, right? Right. So you get what you need. And then finally, um, being able to name your own gift and talent, right? Name it. It doesn't have to be a title that you've heard. It doesn't have to be anything that you've ever seen, heard, anywhere. You can know who you are. You can name yourself and you can step right into that in terms of reinvention,
1: right? Right. Absolutely.
0: Nice, nice. All right, so tell us how we can connect with you and get some more of the gems and the disruption and love and the awesomeness.
1: Uh, I appreciate that. So I- anything you want to know about me, you can find it at christianasmith.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, my middle initial A, and my last name Smith, christianasmith.com. I'll tell you about uh, my clothing company, P Squared, uh, the faith community, my um, church, and the Holy Smoke Cigars and Spirituality Movement, which is uh, an extension of the faith community, but has taken on a life of its own. And you can also learn about some of the, uh, the leadership coaching that I do for uh, leaders in the faith community. We're in the, in the midst of a virtual clinic right now called Virtually Unstoppable, which is uh, helping uh, faith leaders to develop sustainable virtual communities. Um, so how, how do we do hybrid ministry once the pandemic is over? Mm-hmm. So all of those things you can find at christianasmith.com. I'm on Instagram, also Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn,
0: right.
1: YouTube. Yeah, just go to christianasmith.com.
0: Yeah, well. <laughs> And I totally forgot, but I mean, you got the podcast. The podcast is like off the charts. So you guys, I am I want to put all this information in the show notes so you can connect and get all the goodies. So Thank last you. but not least, um, I always close everything out with I'll ask you to share your name and tell us your key to limitless possibilities.
1: My name is Christian A. Smith, and my key to limitless possibilities um, is embracing the divinity within me and when i say i love myself i'm only agreeing with god because god loves me and i love what god loves
0: Mm. it's too deep for a thursday i just can't (laughs) can't take it i need a life jacket (laughs) (laughs) all right brother i appreciate you so much for answering the call and for being obedient
1: Thank you so much for being you. Appreciate it. And shout out to Tiger Gibson for setting this
0: up. Absolutely. (laughs) Tiger Lord, I'm going to get him on. He's he's been avoiding me, but we will have him
1: on. Yeah. You got to get him.
0: And uh, thank you so much, guys. That's what I have for you. So see you next time. And remember, if you've got questions, I've got answers. Shoot me a message on Instagram at Rhonda on a mission. R-H-O-N-D-A, on a mission. As well, I invite you to connect with me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Rhonda on a mission and LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash Rhonda on a mission. Again, thanks for joining. Until next time, friends, be happy, be joyful and be free.